0: Hello, and welcome to the Sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Kurtenbach. Today is the fourth Sunday in Lent, also known as Litare. Our Gospel for today comes from the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving this, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the word of the Lord. Our sermon was recorded previously at our divine service. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. It was near the Passover when the Lord, having, healing, having healed many, crossed to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Large crowds who had witnessed his signs and wonders on the sick followed him across in order that they too might be healed. Some may have also continued to observe him to see if he really was a prophet, or even the prophet, the prophet like Moses, whom Moses promised would come. When our Lord saw the crowd, he tested his disciples to see if they knew yet to rely on him for all their needs of body and soul. And so he asks Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? This must have seemed an odd question to Philip. They were not in a place where they could buy bread. They were in a wild place, a place with much grass. And even if they were close to a town, they could not simply buy that much bread on short notice. I can't go to the co-op or to the bakery down the street and buy enough bread for 5,000 people. <clears throat> even if they had a large sum of money, which they certainly did not, they couldn't do it. And so he says to them, says to him, 200 denarii could not buy enough bread for them to each get a little. But this was not a problem for the Lord, who by his omnipotent power upholds and sustains creation, and by his will a single grain becomes many. And so when Andrew, who at one point left to find some food, returns with a boy and his meager meal, the Lord tells his disciples to get everyone ready to eat, knowing already what he's going to do. And so dividing up the meal after a prayer, as you would normally do, the disciples go and serve the people, passing out the bread and the fish. And they continue, and continue, and continue until all are satisfied. Even after all of that, there is still 12 baskets of bread fully left over. Those who were present, who knew that there was no way that Jesus had this much bread before this meal, proclaimed him the prophet who was to come into the world. That is the prophet, like Moses, who does Moses' works but greater. For Moses told the people of God, that God would give them bread in the wilderness, and here Jesus gives bread to the people in the wilderness. And here we see how our Lord receives us as his children and provides for all our needs of body and soul, as our collect said this morning. This is something that all do not understand, and we, if we're not careful, can fall into this as well, because we're surrounded by and steeped within our culture, for often we fail to realize just how much we depend on God, how much of our existence depends upon him, until something that we are used to goes away, is changed or limited. But even that does not do justice to how much we and all creatures and even all creation rely upon God. St. Paul said of God, In him we live and move and have our being. Now, that does not refer to God's omnipresence, that is, that he's everywhere at all times, but rather speaks to his intimate care of creation and how all people and all things rely upon him. As it says in Colossians, by him all things were created, and in him all things hold together. God not only created the world, but he preserves it and all that he created. We do not have the power to exist in and of ourselves. We did not come into existence by ourselves and by our own will, and we do not keep on existing by ourselves and by our own will. We do not have that power or that ability. Neither do the rocks or trees exist by their own power, nor can they. All creation, even us, especially us, rely wholly on God for existence. If he were to remove his preserving hand from creation, all would cease to exist. So great is our dependence upon him as his creatures. But know, brothers and sisters, that his care for you and for all creation is not merely that he allows you to exist. Know his care and his providence in keeping creation is personal and out of his care and love for you. The Psalms say in one place regarding the animals that he made, These all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they return to their dust. If he cares so much for them that he provides for them, how much does he care for us? How much more? He makes the grass grow which animals eat, which are then provided for us. He causes grain to grow which is harvested and turned into bread that we may eat. While he used many hands to make it, its ultimate cause still comes from God. All that we have to support this body and life comes from him through others as instruments. Even though we do not deserve such rich care, he provides it anyway. Again, not because we deserve it, for we certainly do not, but rather by our sins we deserve only death. No, he does all of this out of his fatherly goodness and mercy, for he provides not only for us, for believers only, but for all, believer and unbeliever alike, and all alike he uses to care for his creation and humanity, the crown of his creation." When we recognize this and see how he has greatly cared for us and continues to do so, and does so even through others and through us cares and provides for others, we see the great dignity in our callings and works, no matter how lowly they are. Just as he used the lunch of a small boy to feed five thousand, so too by our lowly works he feeds and provides for others. It is a great privilege to have this knowledge revealed to us as we recognize his grace and mercy and goodness in his care towards us and other people. May we always thank and praise him for this gift. But he does not stop only there, providing for the needs of the body only, for he also provides for the needs of the soul. We often don't recognize all that God does for us thinking wrongly and sinfully that what we have, including ourselves, is ours and can be used for our own purposes. We often think that what we have we've earned ourselves, rather than it being received as a gift from someone else. How often we think we deserve what we have and think more highly of ourselves than we ought. How often we think others who have less did something to deserve that, or that they did not do enough, and that is why they are poor and suffering. How often do we look at those who have more and think, they must have done it right, we should listen to their opinions on all things. How often do we lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where rust and moth destroy, rather than sowing generously that we may lay up treasures in heaven? All this ultimately stems from our sinful nature, which still clings to us. Even just one of those sinful thoughts is enough to merit for ourselves damnation. How much more, then, when we look at ourselves carefully in God's word and see the great train of sin following behind us. Even our good deeds are tainted by sin. With St. Paul we cry, who will deliver us from this body of death? But thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, that he does not hold salvation up as a thing which we must grasp by our own perfection or earn ourselves. For just as we cannot even keep ourselves existing, how much less could we save ourselves? Yes, God has had compassion upon us. He lifted up his eyes and saw the multitude of his creation unable to reach him, despite hungering for him. And so, just as he provides for all our needs of body, so too the Lord provides for all our needs of the soul. For he, the second person of the Most Holy Trinity, God Most High, took upon himself our human nature in the womb of the Virgin Mary, taking our flesh upon himself, though without original sin. And so he united himself to humanity and began the work of redemption. By his baptism, he sanctified the waters of baptism, so that for us they become a life-giving stream in the wilderness of this life. By his fasting and temptation, he overcame Satan where Adam and us fall. By his active obedience, he fulfilled fully what we could not. By his life lived wholly to God, he lived as we do not. He knew his body was prepared for him and given to him by his Father He knew all that he had, he only had by his hand. Jesus Christ and all he had, he used in the service of others. Even as king of the universe, he became a servant for all. By his passion, he bore the weight of sin of our sin and suffered the wrath that we deserved for it, so that he could make atonement. By his resurrection, he demonstrated that he has overcome sin and death, and that the Father has approved of his redeeming work and gaining salvation for us. And by his ascension, he shows that he is at the right hand of the Father, always to intercede for us in our need. But there is need for us to have this salvation applied to us. We were not there. We did not follow him during his earthly life, and we look back to the events of his earthly ministry. This salvation is then apprehended, by faith. But how do we receive this justifying faith through the means which he instituted, which through which he works that we might have faith and so grasp the promise of the forgiveness of sins? These means can only be found within the church, that is in the communion of saints. Thus the church which St Paul calls the Jerusalem from above becomes our mother, for in her God uses his appointed means to cause us first to be born again by water and the word, and then to be nourished and nurtured by his holy word and sacraments as we grow up in faith, which clings to the promises of God for salvation. And through these means, he sanctifies us, fills us, satisfies us, and strengthens us for this life while we await for the life which is to come. First, see how he feeds us with the bread of life, that is his holy word. Note how when the Lord provided for note that when the Lord provided for the people of Israel manna in the wilderness they needed to go out every morning and gather it up for themselves. But in our gospel reading our Lord Jesus when he gives bread in the wilderness to the masses bids them sit and rest while he serves them through the hands of his disciples. So too it is with us, dear saints of God. Our Lord bids us sit and rest in him. He bids you be served by him through his servants with the word of God by which we live. The word which is more than enough to satisfy, which conveys his Holy Spirit, who creates and sustains living faith in us, which brings the word of promise of forgiveness of sins which we grasp by faith and so receive which instructs us in the ways of the Lord, which are good and wise and pleasant, which teaches us of his good and gracious will towards us. And while the manna, if saved, would spoil, the word which he serves does not spoil, but keeps all the way to eternity. The faith it grants holds on to that promise that our Lord is faithful So let us then endeavour to always keep his word within our hearts, that we may share it with our neighbours, so that by his power God may multiply it as it is shared and spread. So too how he feeds and nourishes us with the Lord's Supper, the sacrament of the altar. We, though redeemed and possessing faith, are still weak and have sin clinging to us as long as we live on earth "'until he comes again. "'We stand in thought, word, and deed, "'despite our struggle against it. "'With repentant hearts he bids us sit, "'that that he may serve us with himself, "'his own body and blood, the bread from heaven, "'giving it to us with bread and wine, "'so that receiving it, trusting in him, "'we receive the forgiveness of sins which weigh us down. "'We receive union with him, and a foretaste of the feast to come, so that, confident in his love towards us, his grace and his mercy, we may go out and serve our neighbours in love and show them the mercy which he has shown unto us, so that they too, by his grace, might join us in the world to come, which he has prepared for all those whom he has fed with his word, and have thus been made free children of the heavenly Jerusalem." Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.